Canadian politeness, I tell you. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, again, uh, let's pray. Continue to pray, please. Gracious Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you in and through our Savior Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you would move, that you would speak to us through your word. And in the midst of this, uh, as we open up your word together this morning, I pray that you would be, that you would open our eyes to see what it is you have to say. You would open our ears to hear the words that you have for us, Lord, and you would open our hearts to comprehend, to understand, and to accept what it is that you have prepared for us. And so, Lord, we ask all of these things and we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, some of you uh, know that I grew up in a town called uh, Caledonia, Ontario. Uh, and uh, while I was growing up in Caledonia, there was a mural uh, that was uh, just beside the McDonald's drive through And the mural looks something like this. Actually, it doesn't look something like this. It looks exactly like this. Uh, the power of the internet today is unreal. I just, I Google searched uh, mural plus Caledonia, Ontario, and I found the exact one I wanted to find. Uh, which was incredible, uh, because uh, mom took a drive over there uh, just yesterday, and apparently it doesn't look anything like that anymore. It's quite faded. And so uh, I, was, I was able to find it so that you guys could see it, which is incredible. Now, uh, th it's a striking image, though, isn't it? Like, if you start to think through what exactly is being communicated by this mural, it's a striking image. I mean, it's not a new concept, for sure, the idea of two paths, but uh, as a growing young man, it certainly piqued my intrigue because it begs the question, how do I make sure that I head off into that bright blue yonder, right? How do I grow as a person? How do I find belonging? How do I uh, maintain honor? How do I make an impact in the world? These are questions that, that each of us ask whether we're conscious of it or not, we make choices in our lives based on how we can fulfill these innate desires. And our text this morning addresses each of these desires, but, but it, somewhat, it flips the script from what our, our human minds often think of. Because rather than focusing on how, how we can grow into better people and how we can create belonging, how we can ensure honor and how we can increase our impact in the world, Peter shows us that the only way to fulfill each of these desires, which, which are God-given and good desires, it's to submit to Jesus. It's to submit to Jesus, to deny ourselves and to allow him to be magnified because Without Jesus, without Jesus, all the pursuit of all of these desires is in vain. Growth eventually peters out. Belonging, it fades away. Honor turns to shame. And impact ultimately returns void. So friends, the two paths that are ultimately before us are the path uh, in search of our own glory and building ourselves up, building our own house, so to speak, or the path for the sake of God's glory, 
allowing him to build us into his house. Those are the paths that are before us. And this morning, we're continuing in our study of the book of 1 Peter. Specifically, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and so I'll encourage you to go there in your own copy of God's Word. And as you're turning there, we need to consider some context because it's not really possible to understand a passage of the Bible outside of its greater context, and so we want to understand what has come before us. And we find ourselves in chapter 2, so obviously a chapter 1 has already come ahead of it. So remember that this is a letter that was written from Peter, right, who is the apostle of Jesus Christ, and it's written to a group of Christians who were scattered across five regions because of persecution that had come upon them from Emperor Nero. Okay, this is a time in human history when it was rather uncomfortable to be a follower of Jesus, to put it lightly. And yet, these people, these followers of Jesus, were, were ready to face the loss of their homes and potentially even their lives for the sake of Jesus. And so Peter is writing to them to encourage them in the midst of this, tr- these trials, this suffering, this dispersion. And the big part of the reason for his writing is to give them a firm foundation so that they could be encouraged in their faith. But even though this letter was written 2,000 years ago, in a culture, and a geographical context that is far removed from our own today, it's still relevant today because, because, friends, Jesus speaks through his word. Jesus speaks through his word. And it's still relevant for us today. We, too, need Peter's encouragement because we, too, find ourselves in a culture that is hostile, increasingly hostile to the things of God. And the truth that God spoke through Peter is still needed today because Because his church still finds itself dispersed in the world. Now, now that's by design. That's how God created us to be, dispersed in the world. But but there are challenges that come along with that that make Peter's words to us uh, so encouraging. And so thus far, Peter has highlighted this newness of life that, that characterizes followers of Jesus. And this new life leads to a new living That is, since we have died to our old selves, we ought to cast off the things that we used to do and live in this newness of life. And that's the picture that we had this morning in our baptisms, right? This this death to self and this rising anew uh, in Christ. We're called uh, to forsake our old way of doing things for the sake of doing things God's way. And so with that in mind, we get to our text this morning in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so I'll invite you now to stand with me for the public reading of God's Word. Uh, and, and so here as I read from the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear the Word of the Lord. <clears throat> so, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, 
You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may have a seat. I think, pardon me, I think it's safe to say that that each of us... uh, has fantasized at some time or another of our dream house, right? Regardless of where you're living right now, I'm sure that, that you have a list of things that you wish your house had or, or that you, if one day you could build your dream house, this is what it would, would have in it or what it might look like. Perhaps you've even gone out for drives and looked at, at houses that you really have no hope of ever owning, or, or maybe you even took it a step further and you saw that one of those houses had an open house, and so you just had to see inside. And so with no intention whatsoever of buying, you, you went in and you checked out this house just to see what was going on. Or maybe you would say, uh, you know what, I'm actually living in my dream house right now. Each of us, I'm sure, has something in mind. Now, provided that these thoughts are not breeding discontentment with where God has placed you for this particular season of your life, there's nothing inherently wrong with with these thoughts. But, But what Peter shows us through our text this morning is that there is something better that God is is preparing. There is something better than, pardon me, than granite countertops and, and something better than an optimized open concept living room flow. God is saying through Peter that that those who are without a home, those who find themselves homeless are being built up into a home with the surest of foundations. And that those who have been rejected and discarded are being gathered. And they're being arranged into a holy habitation for the king of kings. That's the hope that we're given through our text this morning, that God's people are being built up into a spiritual home for God's glory. Let me say that again. God's people are being built up into a spiritual house for God's glory. It's specifically God's people. 
those who are followers of Jesus, those whom, those whom Peter calls exiles, who are being built up for the purpose of making much of God because it's God's house. It's God's house. And, and through our text this morning, Peter paints a picture of this house. He paints a picture of this house. And there are, there are three key elements that we see in our text about this house, this spiritual house. And the first is this. The key element of God's house is that it is founded on Jesus. It's founded on Jesus. Look again at verses 4 through 6. As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. <clears throat> we see here that, that even though Jesus has been rejected by Many. He was rejected by his own people, the Jews of his day. He was rejected by the Romans, and he's being rejected by our culture. Even though he was passed over, he was chosen and precious in the sight of the Father, who has made him into the cornerstone. Now, I don't know how many of us have ever built a stone foundation from its beginning. I haven't done it. Maybe you have. But I'm told and I understand that the cornerstone is like the key piece of that, right? Like you have to get the cornerstone perfect and right in order to uh, assure a, a sound, true, and plumb building, right? It's the foundation of the foundation, so to speak. And the image that we're given here in our text is that most of the most prime piece for building was passed over by those who were trying to build their own house for their own glory. But God in his grace corrects our mistakes. He corrects our mistake. And he, he grabs Jesus. And he places him as the cornerstone of his house. Begin the foundation with Jesus. And by this, Peter means that the only way the only way to enter into God's family, the only way to be a part of his living house, his spiritual house, is by faith in Jesus. It's the only way. By faith in the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's, the only, it's only by turning to him that we're able to actually be built up into his spiritual house. And so let me ask you this morning, have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you trusted in him for your salvation? Have you built your life as him, as your sure foundation? Perhaps that's why you're here this morning. Perhaps this is the sign that you've been looking for. So let me call you today. Put your trust in him and find true, eternal, living hope. Now, not only is the building done upon the foundation of Jesus, but the building itself is done by Jesus. This is the second key element of the house of God. It is built 
by Jesus. Look again at verse 5. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We see here that the building itself is done through Jesus. We are merely the materials, the, the clay to be formed, the bricks to be laid. He is the builder. It's interesting. Throughout the letter, we see this multifaceted look at our salvation. At times, Peter speaks of our salvation as, as already having been accomplished. He also speaks of our salvation as, as like an active being accomplished. And, and elsewhere, he speaks of our salvation as something that will be accomplished. And he does this because all three are simultaneously true. That while we have the foundation of our salvation on Jesus, we are also being built up by Jesus, and one day we will see that come to completion when he returns in glory. This is why Peter speaks so much about the, the casting off of the old self. In fact, we see it twice in our text. We're going to get and, and uh, flesh this out a little bit later on, but look quickly at verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now look again, at, now look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. See, as Christ continues to work in our midst, to work in our lives, as his new creations, we are called to continually put aside the way that we used to do things. To put aside the way we used to be. Now picture this, kind of like an old stonemason who's, he's got his, his stones and he's, he chips away at each one intentionally, smoothing out its, its rough edges and 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 chiseling off its spurs and its problematic pieces, and, and he, he hones it in till it's the exact right shape, and then he, he takes that stone and he, he places it specifically where it's intended to go. This is the picture we have of the work of Jesus in our own lives. If indeed we're his followers, Jesus working, smoothing out, our rough edges, chiseling off those spurs, getting rid of those, those problematic pieces, all for his own glory. And so let me ask you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you allowing him to work in your life? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to bring to light sin that, that so easily entangles and, and casting it at the cross, allowing him to take it from you? You know, one of the ways that we can put ourselves in a position to allow this to happen is by practicing uh, what we call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. You know, as a youth group, we actually just finished up a five-week teaching series on the spiritual disciplines, things like Bible reading and prayer and silence and solitude and, and fasting. And what we talked about was that we practice spiritual disciplines so that we can put ourselves in a position to grow in our relationship with Jesus. 
right? There's nothing special in and of doing these, these actions themselves, but they're about putting us in a position to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We read his written word because by it we grow in our knowledge of him. Right? That's what we see in verse 2 of our text here. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And that pure spiritual milk is the knowledge of Jesus that we get by reading his word. And we pray. We pray because we want to, to speak praises and, and thanks and petitions back to God. And we fast. We fast because we want to put ourselves in a position, position to remember that Jesus is our ultimate sustenance. Our ultimate sustenance. He's the one who sustain, sustains us. And so with that in mind, I just want to take a quick moment to, to talk about something we're going to be doing as a church over the next uh, like 40 days or so. Likely you've heard, if you've been around for a couple weeks, you've heard that we're looking at doing Lent together. Okay, uh, And maybe you're like, what does that even mean? Ultimately, we want to we practice Lent together as a body of believers so that we can put ourselves in a position to grow in our relationship with Jesus coming into the Easter season. So traditionally, this has been like the 40 days minus Sundays leading up to Easter. So, so we're going to kick off on Wednesday night at our pancake dinner uh, I, normally pancake dinners happen on Tuesday. We're just shifting that because, you know, we're not held to the form. Uh, we have freedom in Jesus. So uh, <laughs> we're doing ours on Wednesday. Uh, but that's what we're going to use as our kickoff into our Lent season. And one of the key aspects of Lent, and so we're going to get some more information about that, and there'll, there'll be some information coming in the coming weeks as well. Uh, but, uh, but one of the key aspects of practicing Lent is for all of us as individuals to, to choose something that we either use or enjoy enough that it will be missed and decidedly give it up for those 40 days leading into Easter. Because what that does is it reminds us every time we go to use or enjoy that thing uh, and we go, wait, no, hold on a second, I've given that up. It's a reminder in our mind that, no, I actually want to spend some time to pray. I want to consider the things of, of God that make much of Jesus. It puts us into a position to grow in our relationship with Christ. Because, because that's the point of it all. Growing in Christ as we are being built by him into a spiritual house. But there's another key factor here we can't miss. He says in, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, in verse 5, he says, you yourselves like living stones. But perhaps uh, another way to read that would be y'all yourselves, okay? Because it's this plural you. Y'all are being built up. And we can't miss this communal aspect of it. It's a, this plural, plurality. It's, it's not a matter of us each individually growing up in Christ, Okay, but it's about God uniting us together as his people for the sake of his glory. Because hear me on this, there's no such thing as Christianity by ourselves. Did you hear me? There's no such thing as Christianity by ourselves. Inherent to faith in Jesus is a joining together into one people. 
into God's dwelling place through his Holy Spirit into God's house. And that's what we see here in our text. Now, as we build this house, it's founded on Jesus. It's built by Jesus. If you haven't picked up on it already, the key element to the spiritual house of God is Jesus. Right? It's Jesus. It's for the glory of Jesus. That's our third key element. It's for the glory of Jesus. Now, now let me just pause here for a second to define what I mean by glory. Glory is one of these words we throw around a lot, but it's, it's not always defined. So let me just define what I mean here. When I'm talking about the glory of Jesus or the glory of God, I mean, I mean that it's the greatness of who God is. It's the greatness of who God is. So to say that God's house is for the glory of Jesus is to say that God's house is to make much of Jesus. It's to make much of him. And as his people, we exist to make much of Jesus. We exist to make much of Jesus. And as we continue to look at our text this morning, we see that as his people, we make much of Jesus in three specific areas. Okay, three specific areas. So look again at verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. God's people are being built up for the glory of Jesus in our own lives, in our lives. There's an explicit call here to put off, to cast off the old. Not only that, but each of these five attitudes or actions that are listed here, uh, malice, deceit, and hypocrisy, envy, slander, all have a root in seeking our own glory. Remember back to that choice of paths. Seeking our own glory or the glory for the sake of God. Right? And God's, as God's people were called to choose the path for God's glory. And that's why he says here to cast off these, these five characteristics. These self-glorifying characteristics. Brothers and sisters, we exist to make much of Jesus. So we want to cast off the ways uh, that we had been living our lives, which built into our own glory. We cast those aside to make much of Jesus. And that's why in verse 2 he shifts. He says to put away, but he doesn't leave it there. He says instead turn. He says turn uh, to the longing for the things that make much of Jesus. It's a powerful image he gives here. <clears throat> if you've ever seen a newborn who's, who's just learning how to nurse or how to take a, a bottle, perhaps you've, you've seen that, that little head bob that they do as they're just like, you know, I just need to get some of this milk. I just need, I'm longing for this nourishment. Right? That's the image that Peter gives us in our text here of our, our need for the knowledge of Jesus found only in his word. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today and you're not regularly getting into his word so that you can know him and understand him better, then let me encourage you today to start doing that. And if you're like, I have no idea where to even begin, 
Come talk to me later. I'd be happy to give you some ideas of where to start. Talk to a trusted friend who does it. Uh, or call the church. We, we love, if you have no idea where to start, we'll help you get started. But do it. Get into God's Word. However you get started, get into God's Word. And, and if you're already doing that, awesome. I want to encourage you to continue in that and, and to encourage you to prayerfully ask God to grow your longing for Him to grow your longing for the things that make much of Jesus because this is how we grow. If you're floundering in life and you're trying to figure out how do I grow, the only way to find true, lasting growth is to make much of Jesus and allow him to grow you. So, God's people are being built up for the glory of Jesus in our lives and in the church in his church. I said earlier that there's this communal aspect of the building of God's house because the church exists to make much of Jesus. The church exists to make much of Jesus. That is our purpose. Look again at at verse 5. Right here we see worship that is ascribed to God through Jesus Christ. This is why we do what we do. This is why we worship. And by that I mean us collectively seeking to make much of Jesus in all that we do. That's what I mean by worship. All of us collectively seeking to make much of Jesus in all that we do. When we gather together, we want to make much of Jesus in song and in word and in deed. Because this Because when we do this, Jesus builds us up together, giving us belonging deeper than we could ever imagine. Deeper than we could ever imagine. But it's also uh, the glorifying of Jesus that is the greatest stumbling block to those who are outside of the faith. That's what he's saying in verses 7 and 8. He says, so the honor uh, is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So Peter uses two uh, Old Testament quotations here, pardon me, two Old Testament quotations to showcase that this ought not to be a surprise for us. Because, uh, because it's, it's Jesus that ultimately causes these people to stumble. But it's not in how he lived, right? Everybody will tell you that, that Jesus, yeah, he was a great man. It's not how he lived that causes people to stumble. No, it's what he calls us to. It's what he calls us to because, <clears throat> pardon me, it's what he calls us to. Because they're on the path of self-glorification when Jesus calls them to glorify him. They just can't do it. They can't bear the thought. Because what they can't see is that their, their path is actually the one that leads to destruction. All because they won't obey. They won't heed the call to make much of Jesus. But for those of us who do believe, for those who do obey his call, he says there's honor. There's honor. That though the world rejects and ridicules, Jesus says 
you are mine. You are mine. And I will make you into my dwelling place. So as his people, let's seek to join together to make much of Jesus as we sing his praises, as we hear and heed his word, as we love one another. Let us do so explicitly to make much of Jesus. And when we do scatter into the world, as we were designed to do, that's how God has intended it, we scatter out into the world, we want to make much of Jesus by allowing him to work through it, through us. As his people, we are being built up for the glory of Jesus in the world. In the world. In verses 9 to 12. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So he begins by laying out again who we are. Who we are. He's getting really specific too, right? He says, as God's people, we are a chosen race. That is a people specifically chosen by or for God. And by this is no ethnocentric race, right? It's open to every tribe and nation and tongue who have faith in Jesus. He calls us to a royal priesthood, those set apart to serve and glorify God. Only we do so in the name of the King of Kings, right? He calls us a holy nation, a people devoted to him, He calls us a people for his own possession, called to make much of the work that he has done in our lives. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship. That's why we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us, because he did indeed call us out of darkness, spiritual darkness, into his marvelous light. How could we not proclaim him? How could we not He called us and made us his own. And in light of that, we make much of Jesus in the world. That's why we want to abstain from the passions of our former selves. They well up within us, calling us to glorify ourselves, trying to convince us to go back to that other path. But in the power of Jesus, we fight them off, desiring to serve him instead, because we know that the world is watching. They're watching, and any time we maybe lose a skirmish, so to speak, and slip into an old habit or response, the world looks on and says, see, your Jesus can't help you. And so we, we do good in the world. We do good in the world so that we can make much of Jesus. And we do it only in and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us as his chosen people. 
So let us act in such a way that he is glorified. That he is glorified, never compromising in truth, always standing up for the disenfranchised, and serving Jesus, serving Jesus in all that we do. In this way, we make much of him who called us. I invite the band. You guys can come on back out. Because we want to make much of Jesus uh, in song. Now, we're going to respond to hearing his word by making much of Jesus in song. And we're going to sing a song that's called House of the Lord. And really, it's this joyful anthem that declares that we, as God's people, are full of joy because of what he has done for us. So we're singing his praises. We sing this as a declaration to ourselves, a reminder to ourselves. We sing it as a declaration to one another as his people gathered here this morning. But ultimately, we sing it as a declaration back to God, declaring his excellencies and all that he's done for us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, you are our loving heavenly Father. And because you have called us, we want to make much of Jesus. We want to make much of Jesus. And so we look to you. Speak, speak through uh, the words that we sing here today into the hearts of your people. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.